0: Welcome to Business Law and More, the podcast that's all about the journey, not just the destination. My name is Rina I'm a lawyer, business owner, and managing partner with Cotabon. This podcast is for creative entrepreneurs where we discuss business insights, legal hurdles, and more to help you build a business and life that you love. Thanks for spending time with me today. Turn up the volume and let's begin. So today we're going to be talking about shareholders' agreements, what that means, why a business needs them, why shareholders' need them as well why they're particularly important we've got some great takeaway nuggets of information so stay tuned for this now it's time to welcome our guest hamad Nabeed. hamad is a senior lawyer at carter Bond. he's a corporate company commercial solicitor and an expert in this area and this, has been doing this for a very long time hamad welcome to the show
1: hi Rina. happy to be here i know you've got a few questions i share on the screen so fire away um, and okay. let's get this going.
0: Great, let's start. So the first question, let's get straight into it. What is a shareholder's agreement? We hear about this all the time. People use this and say you need to have it, you don't need to have it. But just tell us in layman's terms, what is a shareholder's agreement?
1: So the answer is in the title. It's literally an agreement between the shareholders. Now, why do we need it? When you set up a company, you decide to go into business with another partner or a number of partners, it's important for everybody to know where they stand. How much money are they putting in? How many shares are they getting? What happens if somebody wants to sell their shares? How do you deal with dividends? There's a lot of questions that come up when you're running a company, and it's important from the start to have a plan. And a shareholders agreement is essentially writing out that plan, putting it in obviously legal terminology so that as and when the shareholders start need to make decisions about what to do when, they've got a roadmap already in the shareholders agreement telling them what to do and how to do it.
0: That's really interesting. So it's almost like a business will, would you say?
1: Yeah, it's a business will. A lot of people say that it's important to write the prenup before getting into a
0: marriage. So a shareholders
1: agreement is like that as well.
0: Really interesting. So it's a business will for everyone and it covers all the what-ifs as well. Is this a public document or where is this kept? Is this mandatory? Does every company need to have a shareholders agreement?
1: No, it's not a public document. And no, it's not mandatory. So when a company is set up by law, there's already a constitutional document called the Articles of Association. That's a model document. It's standard form. Every company has it and it covers a lot of the basics, but not everything that a shareholder or a company or a director might want to have governed. So, a shareholder's agreement goes a few steps further, and that's why it's private because you might want certain things agreed between the parties that you wouldn't want to share publicly, and the shareholder's agreement would cover that. Now, you don't have to have a shareholder's agreement. But a lot of times, what people realize is years down the line, when they either want to buy out a partner or sell their shares, or somebody dies, or there's a dispute, they realize that the articles that they have don't always cover the specifics of their particular situation, and then they don't know how to handle it. And that usually ends up with parties ending up in court. So a agreement, again, has a lot of those answers at the start, To make sure that the parties know what to do in the future
0: that's really interesting so it's almost like you prepare this agreement and then forget about it but then only deal with it if there's any issues as to what is and what to do with it so i suppose that leads on to my next question is what happens if you have a shareholder's agreement and one of the shareholder dies so a lot of the answers to these questions will be
1: it depends it does depend what you put in the shareholder's agreement for example if you and i were to get into an agreement together and I were to pass, then my expectation would be for my wife to take over my shares, because that's based on my earnings, my livelihood, and I want my family to be taken care of. Your expectation would be that you don't want to get into a business relationship with my family members because that's not what you chose to do at the start. So if I were to die, then we can do it so that both of us get what we want. A lot of times the way shareholder agreements work is that they have the shares automatically passed to the deceased shareholders' family members. And then, straight afterwards, the continuing shareholders buy out the family members' shares. That way, the family's been compensated financially for the value of those shares. And as far as the company and the remaining shareholders are concerned, they get to keep all the shares in house and they don't have to deal with third parties or children or family members that they didn't start the deal with in the beginning and there's a lot more to be said on this because obviously if someone were to pass how do you fund the shares how do you finance it where do you get the money so oftentimes shareholders get key man insurance policies so that if someone were to pass away then an insurance company would pay out the company the value of those shares and then that money is then used to pay off the family members So the company, the shareholders that are remaining are not out of pocket and the remaining family members still get paid out for the shareholders.
0: That's really interesting because my next question was actually going to be what happens if you can't afford the shares? But it looks like there is a insurance policy out there, which the shareholders can take out at the time as well. So it's really interesting to know. So then that deals with death of a shareholder. But what happens if one of the shareholders wants to transfer their shares? Can they do that? Do they need the consent of the other shareholders? Or can they just do that without the other shareholder knowing?
1: So by law, whenever you want to transfer your shares, you do have to offer them to your existing shareholders. And that's called a preemption right or a right to first refusal.
0: In a shareholders
1: agreement, you can add a few more layers to that, some exceptions to that if you want. So for example, some companies may require you not to transfer your shares at all without the consent of all the other shareholders. Some companies might want to extend that right to refusal period for months and months at a time, or some companies may want that to be for a very short period so they could do quick share transfers. Some companies might actually disapply the provisions in the company's Act and in the shareholders agreement they might just say that the shareholders agreed not to apply those provisions. So there's a lot of options there and it really just depends on what the shareholders want and then what they put into the shareholders agreement.
0: Thank you for that, that's really interesting. What's the difference between a director and a shareholder? So
1: a director is responsible for the day-to-day operations of the company they can delegate their responsibilities to senior staff or other staff members but the directors are not always the owners of the business so the best way to say it is the shareholders own the business and the directors run the business oftentimes with new companies the directors and the shareholders are often the same person So people often get confused because they have two titles or two hats that they put on as a director and a shareholder and they don't realize that actually there are two roles that they cover and each do requires different things. So shareholders usually are the ones that make some of the more major decisions of the company. So, for example, if you were to shut the company down, then you would need the vote of the majority of the shareholders. If you were to change the constitutional documents of the company, that would be a vote of the majority of the shareholders. Directors are responsible for more day-to-day operations, bank transfers, maybe hiring, firing employees, carrying on litigation or getting a bank loan. Now, a shareholders agreement oftentimes may cover those things. So some shareholders might decide that I'm starting the company, I'm the director right now but maybe my company expands years down the line and I might have other directors on board. But I want a lot of the key decisions to be left with me so that I can be the one to decide these major things, whether that's shutting the company down or whether that's getting a bank loan. The shareholder might decide that they want to be the overall decision maker. So there are ways to have those, make a list and have those things set out in the shareholders' agreement.
0: That's really interesting. Thank you. So is there a separate document that directors enter into as well? And I digress slightly, but I think that's probably going to be the next question for our viewers. So we have a shareholders' agreement for shareholders, but what about for directors?
1: Yeah, the directors have a director's service contract. It is a separate document. It's always advised to keep that separate because directors have more duties to a company than the shareholders actually would do. So it's important to set that out. Directors have various duties that they need to comply with. So they need to act in the best interest of the company. They need to exercise independent judgment. They have to exercise their reasonable skill and diligence. They have to avoid conflicts of interest. They have to act within their powers, the powers that are given to them by the company itself. So all of these things, although it is codified in law, it's very important to have a director service agreement that does spell these things out for the directors. We've often seen companies where the shareholders have grown the company to the point where they decide to get outside directors to come in and start helping them run the company. Those directors come in, don't realize that their job has more responsibility than they actually realize. And having a proper director service agreement would actually give those individuals information that when I sign, when I become a director, this is what I'm expected to do. So it's always important to have a separate agreement specifically for the directors.
0: And I think we're going to have to call you back on the show to talk about director service contracts, but that's been really useful. I think I've got one last question for you, actually, if you don't mind. And I suppose this is, just what happens, or can you force one of the shareholders to... Sell their shares to you, or what happens if you need to sell? If you're a shareholder and you need to sell? So, without
1: a shareholders' agreement, you definitely cannot force someone to sell their shares because when you're selling your shares, the person who's selling has to sign a stock transfer form. So, without that signature, it could just never happen. If you have a shareholders' agreement, then if you've agreed between all the shareholders that there's certain provisions and certain circumstances, that might allow someone to force a sale, then as long as that's documented, then there's a way to put that into practice. So as an example, some shareholders agree, good lever and bad lever provision. So like a bad lever provision would be if I as a shareholder have committed a crime or brought the company into disrepute or done some gross misconduct against the company, caused it financial loss, maybe I've set up a competing company across the road, Things like that would make me a bad lever, and the other shareholders could force me out. We can add a power of attorney provision in the shareholders agreement, so if someone needs to physically sign on my behalf to transfer my shares, there is a way to do that. There is also drag-along, tag-along rights, where if, let's say, 80% of the shareholders decide that they've got an opportunity in front of them to be bought out by a very large company, then those 80% could force the 20% shareholders to be dragged along with the sale. There's some conditions to that where the minority shareholders must get the same share value for their shares, so they can't be out of pocket or hard done by the decision of the majority. But there is a way for the majority to pull the others into the sale and force the sale in that regard.
0: Really interesting. So, we spoke about drag and tag along and good leave or bad lever. Now, I know this, we'll just finish on this notice. I know that Hamad did a shareholders' agreement once for a client, and there was something in there about winning the lotto. Hamad, what was all that about?
1: So, it was really peculiar, but also interesting at the same time. These shareholders had been in business together for 20 years, and halfway down the line, they realized that they really should get an agreement in place. They're bunch of crazy, nutty characters, but very successful. What they had between them is they had a verbal arrangement that they just asked us to document, which was that if one of us ever were to win the lottery, then they would share the proceeds with the others so that the other two partners would get 25% each and the person who wins it would get 50%. And the reason it's worth talking about this, and it, as crazy as that sounds, is it's important to say that Whatever the shareholders agree, provided it's not illegal, can be documented in the shareholders agreement. So a lot of people think that it's a bog standard document with some basic provisions that are very inflexible. But actually, a shareholders agreement is very much a blank canvas that whatever you agree can be documented, even if it's something as out there as what happens if one of us wins the lottery.
0: Really interesting. And for the record, the lawyers did not benefit in this lotto clause as well. But it just goes to show how flexible a shareholders' agreement is, why it's so important. And I think Hamad has touched on a lot of the key points. So thank you, Hamad, for joining us. And that's been really useful. And hopefully we'll see you again on the next podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Rina. Thanks for listening to Business Law and More, a Cosbomb podcast. Before we go, if you enjoy the podcast, please follow and subscribe to the show. Share the podcast or tell a friend about it. Leave us a review and stay tuned for more next week.